This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. We have been looking ahead to the NFL draft, I think probably since week six. I mean, when the Jets and Giants this season, you knew that the major focus is going to be on the future. So with two first-round picks for both, we have been doing a little segment where we run both the Jets and Giants through the NFL mock draft simulator, get an idea from an expert of you know the players that you should be looking forward to if you're a Jets or a Giants fan. I mean, at this point, you, you know we play the college football season, so you have a little bit more of an idea. But I know myself... I'm not a big college football guy, you know, like I know the names by the time we get to the draft, but we want to get you a little jump on uh, who the Jets and Giants will be targeting when the draft rolls around and no one better to do that than our guest Connor Rogers who's always nice enough to give us a few minutes. Connor, thanks for giving us a a few minutes today and uh, getting ready to do a little bit more mock drafting here. Of course, Gordon. I mean, we're counting down the hours, right, until a lot of fan bases completely turn the page and look at the draft. So it's always great to get this thing going. Yeah. All right. But, you know, before we get to this year's draft, I did want to ask you because maybe this is the case every single year, and I've just been more uh, on it because my team, the Dolphins, had two first-round picks this past year. But it feels like last year's draft, there were so many first-year contributors, and not just contributors, like real stars like Parsons and Jamar Chase and Slater and Waddle and Pitts. I mean, you can – and not just first-round guys. Um, Friermuth, Creed Humphrey was, a, I mean, an excellent pick by the, by the Chiefs. St. Brown with the Lions is really kind of busted out here the last month. Was last year's draft an unu- unusual in that there just seems like there's so many guys who came into the league and hit the ground running? I really think so. I think it was a special group, and I think when we look back at that kind of rookie production, it's kind of like we got spoiled, right? And it puts unfair expectations on a lot of uh, players going forward. I mean, I, from engaging with so many different fans and you know, especially Jets fans right now that are so keyed in on the wide receiver position. I like this upcoming wide receiver class a lot, but I'll be clear that Jamar Chase is the greatest wide receiver prospect I've ever evaluated while doing this. And when you look at Micah, and keep in mind, he didn't even play his final year of college, and same with Micah Parsons. And, and Micah Parsons is my top defensive player. Like, these were just special guys doing it as sophomores. They were very unique. They can come into a program and excel right away. They didn't need a lot of time to get comfortable or have to adapt or learn things. So it's no surprise that it's been like that for the NFL. But I think what's crazy is, despite how, in a way, disappointing the rookie quarterback class has been as a whole, you nailed it. There's been Jalen Waddell has been electric to watch. Uh, You look at the offensive linemen from Slater, like you said, with Humphrey, Elijah Vera Tucker, the left guard for the Jets. All of those guys have genuinely played at near Pro Bowl levels as rookies, and their time will come because of the way the voting system works. But this was a really good draft across the board. You can find legitimate starters in every single round. You're going to see Pro Pro Bowl and even all-pro talent uh, littered in the first round when we look back a couple years from now. All right, you mentioned the quarterbacks. I think the the Jet fans are feeling a a bit of a sense of relief after the way that Zach Wilson has played here the last couple of weeks, and now moving forward, they can say, you know, you, you can really see the tangible signs of growth from him. There has not been really, though, those signs of growth for Trevor Lawrence. You know, when we were sitting here a year ago this time, it was Trevor Lawrence. He's he can't miss, and at least so far, he has missed. It has been a brutal rookie season for him 
with very few positives. How concerned would you be if you are a Jaguars fan or an NFL fan looking at this can't-miss prospect who at least so far has missed? I think you have to be significantly concerned because the ownership group that is operating your franchise has not gotten it right and with the coaching staff. Uh, they never get it right. And now they are interviewing again, and even the list of their interview, you know, interviewees are, are very uninspiring, underwhelming. And whoever that choice is, is going to have to not only develop Trevor Lawrence, but they're going to have to get this season out of his head. And this was an unmitigated disaster. I mean, to be quite honest with you, he's throwing a lot of interceptions. He's holding on to the ball a lot. Uh, his mechanics really vary way too much. There's just too many times where everything uh, looks different from the last rep, and he's not producing any scoring output, right? Like, I mean, seriously, Gordon, he's thrown one touchdown since week 13. One touchdown. He's thrown two touchdowns uh, basically since October. Uh, two touchdowns since October, and I know the team's bad. I understand that, but – it's just, you know, for a guy that, and I love him as much as anyone, so this doesn't feel good, you know, with how bad he's been. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, you don't really believe in the organization. You have to be worried about uh, this damaging him long term. And the bottom line is, do we really expect Jacksonville to be able to turn this thing around very, very quickly before it's too late? I think that's the question on everyone's mind right now. Yeah, uh, and again, they're they're in garbage time a lot of time. Are you right? Like you, you can understand yeah. if he struggles at the start of games, but usually in garbage time, you, you figure, ah, he'll throw a touchdown here, throw a touch. There hasn't been any of that. It's um, it is legit. I, I would think it has to be legitimate con- concerning for Trevor Lawrence to to see how this season has gone. All right, let's get to this year's draft. We're talking with Connor Rogers, of course, lead NFL draft analyst for Bre- uh, for Bleacher Report. Um, where is you know we talked last year about wide receiver. Last year was a year to get wide receivers. Where is the position that's deep this year, and what position would you say is a little scarce for this year's draft? I really like the wide receiver group. Again, maybe they don't have a chase or even necessarily a waddle, uh, somebody that I have viewed as a top 10 uh, player in last year's draft. But they, they have five to six really good ones that can all go in the first round pretty, pretty easily. I like the pass rush group. Of course, Thibodeau and Hutchinson at the top. But you have guys like Ojabo, Karloftis, uh, Trayvon Walker. This is a deep, deep, deep pass rush group. That's really exciting, and I like the offensive line class a lot as well. So, you know, you even have two potential first-round off-ball linebackers in the Kobe Dean from Georgia, who people can watch in the national championship, and Devin Lloyd from Utah. So, uh, and, and that's not even getting into all the corners. It's a strong corner class as well. So this is a pretty good draft class, but nobody really cares because the weakness is that quarterback. And so everybody kind of goes, ah, this draft doesn't really do it for me. It doesn't really get me going. Uh, when it is a good draft, it's just unique at certain positions. And there's no star quarterback. There's no guy that you take and go, you know, we think this guy has a top five ceiling. That, that guy just doesn't exist. And there's always surprises, right? We've seen someone like Dak Prescott go, you know, really, really late. We've seen a lot of different, you know, inspiring stories of quarterbacks that did not have those expectations and turned to stars. Uh, but the bottom line is, I mean, maybe Matt Corral goes in the top ten. You have names like Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Sam Howell. But the problem is when you speak about them, it's hard to clearly define which one is the best prospect, who has the best tools, traits, mental makeup, all that pro readiness. I don't think really any of them are necessarily pro ready right now. Maybe, maybe pick it, an older guy. So it's, it's a very weak quarterback class. 
All right, let's get to it. Uh, as of uh, right now, the drafts, uh, the way it falls out, Jaguars, the number one pick. Uh, according to our mock draft simulator, they'll take Hutchinson, the uh, the pass rusher out of Michigan, at number one. Kayvon Thibodeau, he'll go two to the Lions. So now we're sitting at three with the Texans. They will go with the uh, corner from uh, Clemson, Andrew uh, Booth, Jr. So the Jets picks four and seven. Giants picks five and eight. Uh, who do you think, first of the two first-rounders for the Jets, which direction do you think they'll go? I think in this scenario, as we sit here and speak today in January, you look at the offensive line. Now, they have a lot of questions going into next year. They need to internally evaluate uh, the future of Makai Becton. They love George Fant, and he's back for about a $10 million cap hit next year. And then Morgan Moses is a free agent. So while the offensive line has been pretty good for the Jets this year, all things considered, even after losing Becton, you know, there's a chance that you lose Moses in free agency. Maybe Fan wants a new contract. That's another co- conversation for another day. Nobody really knows right now. Uh, so I think you look at the offensive line, and, and there's a lot of different options here. There's three clear-cut guys at the top in terms of tackles with Evan Neal from Alabama, uh, Ika Mekwanu from NC State, and, and then you have Charles Cross from Mississippi State. So I think when you look at it, those guys are, you know, it's kind of a choose-your-flavor. They're all really good players that, that are – his pick is warranted to take any of them. I'll lean Evan Neal right now because he started at guard two years ago, then right tackle in 2020 and left tackle in 2021. So if the Jets are unsure how they, their offensive line is going to you know, shake up, they want to get into camp and have a guy that is a top 10 level prospect but can also play basically anywhere on the offensive line besides center, well, I think Evan Neal makes the most sense. All right, we'll put Evan Neal in the uh, the fourth spot so the uh, Jets go offensive line. And to hear you say before that this draft is deep offensive line and pass rusher, that has to be music to Jet fans and Giant fans' ears. I mean, those those are if, if both organizations went O-line and pass rusher, they would, you know, obviously it depends on the player they get, but those are two areas that certainly would be good to build around. Yeah, it certainly would. I think when you look at it, each of those teams, you know, can- go down that road we're going to hear you know obviously conversations around all the players at the top both families are very familiar with Tyler Tyler Linderbaum you know obviously Hutchinson and Thibodeau we expect them to go early but if something happens in the pre-draft process or one of them just surprisingly falls well the Jets or Giants will be all over that so I think it's it's a really really good chance for these two teams to get foundational pieces in the top 10 and it's it's pretty cool, honestly, being in you know the New York area that they have two picks each to do it. Yeah. All right. So the Giants are up next. They are at number five. Um, Carl Loftus is still on the board. Uh, Demarvin Leal from uh, Texas A&M. That the safety uh, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. Who do you think the uh, Giants look at with the first of the two picks? Yeah. So for this one, I- I'm going to lean Carl Loftus for them. I think they need more pass rush help as much as they got Ojulari. Now you can make the argument for Hamilton because he's such a good football player. He's, you know, six foot three, six foot four. He's got length. He's got speed. He can come up and tackle. He can be a matchup player against tight ends. You know, we know the division they're in. They see a lot of unique offensive players, especially a team like Dallas that can trot out three top flight wide receivers. And they've had Dalton Schultz. So you can sit here and make the argument for Kyle Hamilton. There's no doubt about that. I just think the Giants need to get better on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And you could say that about the Jets as well. But I think for the Giants, uh, it's even magnified more. So I'll take Karloftis here. Power rusher, really, really good hands, uh, incredible effort, incredible strength, and I think they would really love to have him across from Ojolari. You know, two kind of a little bit different players, but I think that would be a uh, a good duo for their front four. 
Yeah, I mean, you can never have enough pass rushers and uh, top five pick using one on that. I mean, that's a, a position of need, certainly for the Giants for a while. All right, so the Panthers are up next. They have, uh, on this simulation, they have them going with uh, Matt Coral, the quarterback out of Mississippi. So he's off the board. So the Jets are back up. And before we get to the, is there any way, I, look, he might be a fantastic player. I don't know him from a hole in the wall. But is there any way the Jets, after the whole Jamal Adams fiasco, is there any way, if they're picking in the top 10, that they can pick another safety? I think it's more about the staff not wanting to go there. And there's a lot of time. Maybe he changes their mind because Kyle Hamilton is uh, such an impressive individual. He was the most vocal player when Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. And and Hamilton is really smart guy, a really level-headed guy. He's a you know, a more diverse talent than Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams was better playing in the box, better in playing the line of scrimmage, while Hamilton can pretty much do anything, right? You could put him at either safety spot, any kind of role. You could play him in quarters. You could play him in cover three, a cover shell, two-man shell. Like, he can really do anything and excel at a high level. But the problem is, Gordon, like, this team has a lot of areas of need, and I think they're going to go into free agency hoping to buy – their safety position, right? And then going to the draft with more of an open approach. Yeah. Um, it, it almost feels like a, it feels like a, like a glamor thing where the, the, you have so many more dire necessities yeah. with this team that it doesn't really seem like safety is a, a position that they are going to attack in the draft, especially not with a, like a top five, top seven pick. All right. So the jets are on the clock at number seven. Hamilton is still there. Uh, the wide receivers are still out there. You could go offensive line again, certainly, and just like, you know, no more half measures on the offensive line. What direction yeah. do you think the Jets go at seven? I'm looking for a playmaker here. I, you know, I like the corners. I like Stingley and Sauce Gardner, but it's a deep corner class that you could, you have two other top 40 picks. You could probably get a corner then, and this staff isn't – don't, they don't really view the corner as a premium position for them. Uh, so I'm going to look to get Zach Wilson even more help. Now let's – you know, let's look at the situation. Keelan Cole, Jamison Crowder, and Braxton Berrios are all pending free agents. You have Elijah Moore coming back. That's exciting. You have Corey Davis looking to rebound. You still need more. And Corey Davis' guaranteed money is up in 2023. So you're probably looking for your wide receiver duo of the future with Elijah Moore. And once again, I like this class a lot. So I'm actually going to lean – this might be early for some people, but I don't really care. I'm going to lean Traylon Burks from Arkansas. I think he's somebody that has the versatility Michael Floor would like. He's played inside. He's played outside. They've even used him in line. They've used him as a sort of H-back. He's a big guy, six foot two, two thirty, uh, muscled up. He can block. He's got huge hands. His hands are in like the 95th percentile kind of range. He catches everything: one-handed catches, two-handed catches, breaks tackles after the catch. For you know, for the fans that are saying this team needs a a tight end, I agree. But they also just need a, a big target for Zach Wilson, and that's what Traylon Burks would be. All right, so he's off the board at number seven, and uh, very neatly again, the Giants are sitting one pick behind him, and they're at number eight. Uh, where do you think we go to uh, wrap up our little mock draft simulator? I think you go Tyler Linderbaum here, and I don't care that he's a center. I don't care about that you're taking a center in the top ten, something that's kind of unprecedented. He's an elite prospect. He's maybe the best center I've evaluated while doing this. I think that he's a sure thing. I think the Giants fans will like to hear about a sure thing on their offensive line. He's an incredible run blocker. He's a good pass protector. He's a great leader. He's really the real deal. I think if you're looking to restart the attitude in the trenches for the New York Giants and get a player that can be a pro bowler for the next 10 years, Linderbaum is that guy. Nobody cares where you take a guy if he ends up being a core piece, a 10-year pro bowler kind of player. 
uh, in Linderbaum. So I look at that and go, don't overthink this, okay? You just get the best player available. That is still a spot of need for the Giants. The offensive line, as much as Andrew Thomas has been much better this year, that group needs to be better overall. And no matter what you're doing at quarterback or with your staff. So I like Linderbaum. He's He's a safe, sure thing here. Yeah, Linderbaum, it's funny, you know, for playing at Iowa like he does, uh, the amount of uh, the, the groundswell of support for, for him among, you know, Jets and Giant fans, both teams' fan bases have noticed him and have mentioned him already. So that would be interesting if the Giants get him and the Jets pass on him twice. That'll be a guy that we'll be focused on quite a bit. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, Connor, it would. It would, we got to – be a really interesting conversation down the road. We got 111 days to kick this around. So uh, thanks again for coming <laughs> on with us. And uh, I'm sure in those next 111 days or whatever it is, we'll be talking again soon. Thanks so much, Gordon. This is always fun, man. I'm looking forward to doing it again. And uh, have a good one. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.